I've just decided on the third part of our initiation. Lisa and Taffy, you're going to break into the bowling alley at the mall tonight and bring me back some kind of souvenir as proof that you were there. Trophy should do. And you three will join them. Hey, what is this? I mean, come on, you breaking in here? So for punishment, you're going to make us go break in somewhere else? Shut up, Motorhead. We'll be alone in deserted bowling alley with two frightened, gorgeous girls needing male companionship. Ah, oh, hey, you know, let the punishment fit the crime. Wait a minute, no way. Alone with these sleaze bags? Forget it. No, not a chance. Girls, it's a tradition. Either you do it, or you're gonna find another sorority. We don't have much choice. Lisa, I am not going anywhere with these sex maniacs. I don't like it any more than you do. But please, we have to pass this initiation. Oh, please. I don't know. We'll do it. Good, then it's set. You'll break into the bowling alley, you'll bring back a trophy here, and then you'll be part of the sorority. Well, for a probationary period at least. Now you better get going. Rhonda, Frankie. You know, you've got more plan than you're letting on, Babs. I can see it all over your face. Honey, did you forget? Daddy owns the mall. Oh, that's right. We can get it so easily. We'll watch our victims on the security cameras. And when they're not ready for it, we'll scare the shit out of them. <laughs> Babs, you're absolutely evil. Oh, and Ooh. if Lisa and Tabby don't come back with a trophy, which... They won't if I can help it. I'll have to think of some other kind of, um, <laughs> painful punishment. <laughs> Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 229, Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama. Some movie analysis for you. Linnea Quigley playing off type in this role a little bit, I think. Right? Yeah. She's like the badass yeah. chick. No nudity from no her. No nudity. Atypical. <laughs> yeah, people who are subscribed to our podcast... Seeing this one pop up in their feed. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, well, it was like me when you handed me the Blu-ray of this. <laughs> and I saw the opening credit sequence start up, and it, it kind of looked like an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> well, the budget was probably less yeah. than an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark. So I think this will be an interesting one. This is a straight-to-video 80s classic. 
had a second run on cable in the 90s, and I'm sure is new to a lot of our listeners. I feel like we could almost call this a One Trashy Summer Greatest October crossover app. A little bit, although it's almost weird to even consider this a horror movie, even though I guess it is, There's in a way. There's horror elements in it. <laughs> it's horrifying. <laughs> I don't know, I have a strange affinity for this one, as I'm sure a lot of people yeah. my age do who caught it on cable and felt like sort of a, a naughty movie in some ways. Naughty. <laughs> I'd say so. A little trashy. Yeah. But I think it's pure at heart. I think it's sort of fun and innocent yeah. in a way. I think they're just having some fun. There's something that I just love about that independent spirit of the 80s when the home video market was exploding and you could get a budget together of under $100,000 and you got a group of people together. They hung out for a couple of weeks and made a movie. I know, it's crazy. The joke used to be write the script on Monday. Yeah. Let's film it on Tuesday and get it into and video you know stores by Wednesday. I mean, there, you can goof on it, but you can do a lot worse than this. I mean... <laughs> well, there is that straight... Or not the straight, but the uh, the VHS yeah. horror era of the 80s, which was filmed with like, right. like camcorders uh, and stuff. One you put on your shoulder. Yeah, like the... I don't know what they call that even, but it's like a whole subgenre of movies that exist that were like filmed on VHS. Sure. And those are a whole other level. <laughs> I mean by the time we get by the point we reach where like the villain is basically like a, a doll. <laughs> yeah. Which like is a being... staple of full moon features which yeah. put out the Blu ray of this, but yeah, like the Puppet Master and Ginger Dead Man or whatever the fuck they're okay. called. Right. A lot of movies that have like a small little evil character no this classic. one does yes but i think it mostly looks pretty decent yeah they fired the camera crew halfway through and there's like an improvement okay. there's definitely some stuff in it where you're like guys you didn't want to shoot that again so we could that's see true it. yeah well yeah, there is it's certainly there's points of the movie where you can't see anything because it's almost like completely pitch black so this is week four of one trashy summer this is sort of a variation of the hot dog the movie thing. It's the 80s. It's got the TNA in it. But this is like a whole special thing, whereas Hot Dog was a theatrical movie, had a couple million dollar budget, was put out yeah. by MGM. This is run and gun, $90,000 budget. Let's just get it into video stores. Although this did actually play in a couple theaters briefly. But... That was big in the 80s. The home video market was a huge moneymaker all of a sudden because people got VCRs, blockbusters exploding all over the country. And so there had to be content. You know, the same word that we use now to describe Netflix and Hulu and Paramount Plus and Amazon Prime and whatever. That used to mean we need to get videos for these people to rent. Yeah. Well, speaking, I mean, big in the 80s, th this movie featuring just an 80s staple boys spying on the women completely nude <laughs> just falling all over themselves making insane facial expressions <laughs> yeah this movie's only what 70 something minutes yeah in and out easy breezy That's all right. right so before we talk about the classic sorority babes and the slime ball bolorama let's remind our listeners to follow the show on twitter at greatest pod 
and subscribe on Apple Podcasts so that you can be shocked by titles like Sorority Babes popping into your feed all of a <laughs> yeah. sudden. Like, what is this? Wow, this show really is the gift that keeps on giving. You can follow us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, and Matt Crosby, and you can ask for a sticker on Twitter, and we will send you one for free. That's right. To support the, the show. Requests still coming in. Yes. We'd also appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you get a chance. Although I'm sure after this one trashy summer, we might be getting more one-star reviews. People don't like this kind of stuff. It's okay. In this era. Yeah. I think most of our listeners understand that, you know, we're just having fun. That's right. not supposed to be that serious. Yeah. If it were the 80s, we'd be trying to raise a shy of a $100,000 budget to make our movie in some bowling alley connected to a mall. I think in another life, I'd like to pursue this life of making cheap movies like Sorority Babes. I think so. <laughs> Seems like a lot of fun. I would agree. Sorority Babes and the Slimeball of Olorama came out in 1988. Directed by David Dakoto, Written by Sergei Hazanich. And it probably has maybe the best title ever in the history of film. At least that we've ever done for this show. <laughs> It's quite a title. Yeah, I would agree. It actually is almost hard to live up to a title like this. Yeah. It's an instant cult classic, straight to VHS 80s glory. It almost sort of reminds me of Boogie Nights in a way when they were switching over from film to video. I would even say... In that sense. Yeah, and even from like a just talent of the director level it reminds me of booking <laughs> david dakota i think he's still working today he does like sort of variations on hallmark movies with like vivica fox and stuff i oh. saw that he worked with her a lot all right so that tandem. but he has like 250 directing credits in like 30 <laughs> years shit. or something it's oh, insane wow. yeah i mean this movie definitely reminds me of the type of stuff that you would just go to video rental stores and see like sitting out and you're oh like, yeah that's what this is all about yeah i know and that same year in 1988 he worked with three of the women from this film and released another cult classic called nightmare sisters which i also own on blu-ray oh, yeah that sounds good it's also pretty great <laughs> this movie belongs in the domain of joe bob briggs who we've talked about a couple times on this show doing things like monster vision on tnt or the last drive-in which he does now on shutter but it also got huge because of usa networks up all night which we've also referenced on this show which was big in the late 80s all through the 90s i think it was on friday nights starting at like 11 it went into the early morning hours where oh, they yeah. play like a couple movies ronda Shear was the host at one point gilbert godfried was a host and this movie was one of their biggest episodes. Oh, wow. And what? I think a whole generation of kids would see this movie way too young, although they were edited. <laughs> it wasn't like it was yeah, yeah. Showtime or something. Well, when you see a title like this pop up, it's going to put butts in the seats. And I think this movie is sort of innocent sleaze in a way. Sure. And I mean innocent, not that these things, some of the things in this movie aren't offensive now. I mean, certainly they are. Unquestionably we'll, they are. We'll talk about a few of them. But I think that the mindset was just, let's have some fun. The actresses who get naked in this movie were all game. They did it their whole careers, basically. And everyone was having fun. There was no feeling of exploitation or anything in the making of these movies. And sometimes they probably 
made some interesting choices that we'll yeah. we'll discuss. Mostly the voice of the imp is a little questionable. For sure. But noticeably so. I don't believe that there's any hint of malice. I think they're just like, let's give the people what they want. Let's have a little fun on a nothing budget. It's got that run and gun LA vibe. Yeah, and I gotta Point tell the you, camera and let's go. There are some lines in this movie that legit made me LOL. <laughs> wow, that's a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, are those glasses for real? <laughs> I really enjoy the first portion of this movie. Once they actually release this imp imp from the bowling alley which people who have never seen this which i'm sure is most of the people listening to this are like what the fuck are they talking about it almost feels like a record scratch moment (laughs) in the movie yeah it just goes to a whole level you weren't even expecting dakota when he was 18 years old started working in the film industry under roger corman and then eventually crossed paths with charles band who is a producer on this film and a producer of a lot of films and I think would go on to to do the Puppet Master thing and found Full Moon Pictures, which still exists today. He started out directing porno movies under the mm-hmm. name David McCabe. Okay. He uses a lot of... Uh, Abe McCabe. Pseudonyms. David McCabe is actually used in this movie as the name of that bowler. Okay. That weird... I thought it was Abe McCabe was what was in the movie. <laughs> no, it's David. David. But he made a movie called Creepazoids, which came out a little bit before this one, and it caught some attention. I've never seen it, although the score on IMDb would lead you to believe that it wasn't very good. However, for whatever reason, Charles Band liked it, and he had already sold an idea to foreign distributors called The Imp. It was based off of a poster alone, and there was no script. Uh And so he contacts Dakota and was like, if you can write this movie in a couple of days... (laughs) They're already on board. These, quote, foreign distributors. I love the idea. Who are these people? They're just like, we're in on this imp idea. We have to understand. I mean, the budget for this movie is 90000 So he's right. probably just selling it to like some really low-level video distributors all yep. across the world. Yeah, yeah. For tens of thousands, you know, right. to each place or whatever. So they're like, here's this next movie we're doing called The Imp. And it is like a picture of the imp or whatever. They're like, all right. So Dakota agrees to take on the project. A script was written by his friend Sergey in 10 days. Oddly enough, my kind of script. Both the poster and the title were later changed. It's not <laughs> called The Imp and the poster was different, but it was already sold anyway. The film was shot in 12 days with a budget of 90k. Photography took place in both LA and San Diego. Oh. So they went on a little road trip 2 hours south to San Diego to film the bowling alley stuff. The bowling alley, which was located in San Diego, was used at night after closing and was not actually a part of any mall. Oh, okay. So it looked like that. Oh, wow. I I figured that they, like, that just became a part of it because they had access to this building. No. Okay. (laughs) I think the mall stuff was shot in LA. Gotcha. But they spent a couple of days down in San Diego and had to pay for hotel rooms for everyone. That was like $5,000 of the $90,000 budget. Yeah, I'm sure. So, I mean, you're you're factoring in like a lot of things behind the scenes that cost money, and that's subtracting from that 90 k That 90 k gets burned up pretty fast in movie making. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama stars Linnea Quigley, Brink Stevens, and Michelle Bauer, the big three 
of straight-to-video scream queens of this era. Wow. A lot of people might not be familiar with them. Linnea Quigley, I think, is probably the most famous of the three in that she appears in movies that were released into theaters in somewhat substantial roles, including Silent Night, Deadly Night, which we did on this show. She's a babysitter that gets like impaled on those antlers. Yes, I remember it well. She's in Night of the Demons. Oh, yeah. And a few things like that. And Return of the Living Dead. Right. Where she's like nude almost the entire movie. That <laughs> yes. She does like a, a naked dance on a grave or something. She is a, a good sport. Michelle Bauer, I think, was like a former penthouse pet of the year and had done a little bit of like porno work. I love that. Pet of the year. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> it was a different time for sure. As I said, the three of them would reunite and make Nightmare Sisters later in the same year and also would appear in various combinations, either all three or two of the three, in tons of other movies sure. from the 80s into the 90s, even into the 2000s, which we'll talk about a little bit more later because, believe it or not, folks, there might be a sequel to this movie coming. Ho! <laughs> Matt's head just exploded. What? <laughs> like, what? Just what we've all been waiting for. Yes, that's right. So let's get into it. There's not a whole lot that happens in the movie because it's so short. Yeah. It's a pretty standard horny boy setup. So anyway, we'll see you next week. <laughs> we had to edit out yeah. all of everything we said. It was it crossed too many lines. <laughs> Just like, hey, recommendations. That's right. And people are like, what happened? <laughs> Actually, no, I think that'll be next week's episode for sure. <laughs> I'm going to have to take a scalpel to that one, probably. (laughs) All right. If you're new to the show, folks, don't worry. We're going to get back to the mainstream mainstream movies in July. This is one trashy summer. We've danced around this topic before, the straight-to-video 80s stuff. I think Blood Harvest in The One Greatest October would qualify as well. Oh, yeah. Hot Dog the Movie, like I said, is sort of the same universe because it's the 80s. It's sort of ridiculous, but that was a real movie in some ways this okay. is like hard to even classify as a movie <laughs> in some <laughs> respects because as you mentioned i mean you sent me a picture from your phone of the opening credits you're just like what is this? yeah right it looks so cheap i'm like okay this i'm in for a fun ride here if i wasn't sold by the title <laughs> this opening credit sequence has really got me hooked yeah so they were gonna call it the imp and they decided to change it because for various reasons i don't know i guess they didn't think it was fun enough and so they had a little contest amongst the production and the company funding the movie and everything and they were like all right well let's come up with a different title and the title they picked was bitchin sorority babes in the slimeball bolorama and they were told no by i guess the mpaa they were like no offensive i guess i over the line I think that's weird, especially yeah. like using bitchin' as like a an adjective, as right. like a positive adjective. Bitchin' babes. But I think it's funny that this is the title they came up with. I'm not entirely sure who the slime ball is or what that means, but I guess like you could kind of say all the dudes are slime balls more or less. That's true. Or the imp itself. Well, the one guy loses his head and it gets bold. <laughs> He's the slime ball. Yeah. <laughs> all right. The movie opens with three... Nerdy brosives, Calvin, Jimmy, Keith, hanging out on a Saturday night. It's like drinking Budweiser's. Just drinking beers, watching a horror movie, which I think is actually Creepazoids, David 
Dakota's first movie, first yeah. feature. Was definitely getting some flashbacks to our old apartment days in this sequence. Yeah, a lot of big talk. <laughs> I think it's funny that they're supposed to be like fraternity guys, but they're like the biggest losers ever. Not that fraternity guys are cool, but you know what I mean. Oh, like, yeah. These guys don't seem like your typical movie dudes. And because this movie's so low budget, there's so few characters. There's no like other people around. And what is the deal with this bedroom they're hanging out with? First of all, porno mags plastered on the wall it's behind that one guy's bed. Shameless. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like there's multiple beds in this room. So they're in this big house because we see an exterior at one point. Yet there's like this tiny corner bedroom where there's two beds minimum. Yeah. And they're all just hanging out in this room. There's a few things that seem impractical about the Greek life that's going on, <laughs> particularly when we get to the sorority and the bathroom situation. <laughs> Keith tells Jimmy about the initiation ceremony for the Tri-Delta sorority and the trio make plans to spy. They refer to the Tri-Deltas as the Felta-Deltas, oh, yeah. which is pretty good. Yeah, I think pretty so. Pretty funny. Right. Clever wordplay humor there. We like that. So you sort of have that Porky's element of spying on the girls. The one dude is just like not into it at all. I think that's Calvin, who ends yeah. up being like one of the heroes of the he's movie. He's kind of like the leader of the group, it seems like. <laughs> no, he's definitely not the leader. <laughs> he's like supposed to be the dorkiest, I guess, yeah. of the three. Okay. He just doesn't want to do it. And they're like, well, there might be naked chicks. And he's like, all right. <laughs> I guess I'll do it. We pan over to the sorority itself, and we have the potential sorority pledges. Or no, actually, first we see this, the girls who are in the sorority already. Babs, mm-hmm. who's the leader, and then Rhonda and Frankie. And they're preparing for this ritual while the newcomers, the pledges, Taffy and Lisa, wait. By the way, in pretty much any movie I've ever seen where there's like some sort of initiation to be a part of something, made me never want to be a part of anything. <laughs> obviously this is just like an insane movie anyway and this whole thing is comical but even thinking about like things like the social network and trying to be a part of those clubs and they're like making him do all these ridiculous things it's just like i would rather not do this i don't desperately want to be a part of any group well some people are desperate to belong yeah to something i want to belong to nothing (laughs) yeah (laughs) although you know if you're a bunch of hot chicks hanging out yeah, it seems you know like it could be good fun. It's sounding a lot better now when you put it like that. Yeah, you're thinking of it from your perspective yeah. where it's you and a bunch of other chuds. Right. <laughs> yeah, what a horrible group to be a part of. <laughs> this group seems like it would be fun. Even the initiation seems like it's fun. That's right. <laughs> For some of the girls. <laughs> Babs, do I have to wear this hood? Yes. But why? I mean, really, it's going to make an absolute mess out of my hair. Your hair is already a mess. It's part of the ritual. Come on, you know that. Ritual, huh? You make it sound like we're devil worshippers or something. Well, maybe we are. Come on, Babs. This robe, it itches something awful. I can't imagine what it's doing to my skin. I don't see why we have to wear these things for some stupid initiation ceremony. Rhonda, how many times do I have to tell you? It's a tradition, all right? The women at Tri-Delta have worn these robes for years. Besides, this could put fear in the hearts of our initiates. <laughs> I think you just like paddling girls' fannies. Yeah, we'll just have to call her Babs the Dominatrix. (laughs) For sure. A pain freak. (laughs) You guys, it's a tradition. Come on. You like it too much for it to be just a tradition. Really? What gives with you, Babs? Honey, 
It's better to give than receive. <laughs> <laughs> Ready? Rhonda and Frankie tease their leader Babs, saying she's a little too into paddling girls' fannies. Yeah, I do like how they just kind of openly joke about that. Yeah, they call her like Babs the Wicked Warden. Babs <laughs> is like a dominatrix. Yeah, and Babs doesn't really deny it. She's no. just like, yeah, this is gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, Babs obviously has some sort of deep-rooted issues. We don't really get into it in this hey. movie. But... <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that. She's, she knows what she likes. No, I like Babs. There's a pretty cool tiger calendar poster on the wall next to that mirror when they're getting ready. I would say endless good decor. <laughs> yeah, the set decoration is really? off the charts. <laughs> I think the first time you see Taffy and Lisa sitting on that couch as they're like waiting, yeah, you see like a, there's like a giant microphone right. sitting between them. <laughs> this isn't really the most professional organization being run here but you know it's still pretty fun <laughs> i i do enjoy that one of the chicks name is taffy i think that was the name that died after the 80s well i think that's all in service of how she dies the right. gag of yes her. yes yeah i think that's it it's i think that's the that. only reason right. that she's named that <laughs> calvin and keith are virtually indistinguishable from each other they look the same. They have the same glasses. They dress similar. Why didn't they differentiate those characters? I more? don't know. I had to really struggle to keep who was who in terms of the names, which really isn't important when you're watching it, but when you're trying to do a podcast, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to tell. Well, at some point, almost every scene becomes Calvin and Linnea Quigley. Yes. Like, at that point, it's not hard. Right, right. Yeah, earlier on, it's difficult. Taffy's played by Brink Stevens. Lisa is Michelle Bauer. The dudes arrive at the Tri-Delta house just in time to watch the ceremony through a window. We have Taffy and Lisa. They're wearing tiny, like, half Mm T-shirts that, like, just go below their breasts and then panties, and that's it. Okay. A look that I think has come back in fashion. (laughs) Yeah, just out in public. (laughs) Right. The two of them are bent over the back of the couch, and Babs spanks them with a giant paddle for an insane amount of time. I I was going to say, relentlessly. Yeah, it goes on forever. Right. (laughs) It's just completely ludicrous. Yeah. But it is one of the more iconic scenes well it is almost like rob zombies halloween 2 where michael myers just like the stabbing like (laughs) keeps going on to the point that you're just like not having a reaction to it that's how much paddle action is happening here i get that it's supposed to be sexy and it is trust me but (laughs) you do have to think like this is insane this would be so painful at a certain point because the girls are like really selling it as if it's hurting and then it's just it keeps going forever right i think typically in these like fraternity sorority initiation things i i don't really know for sure but i would imagine when this stuff was happening i think they try to like eliminate it now if they can right but when it was happening i mean we're talking like a few swats yeah yeah not a a night-long event (laughs) (laughs) yeah i listened to the audio commentary on the blu-ray for this and brink stevens was saying that this is a scene that she had like dudes like write her letters about and like would ask her at like you know horror conventions and yeah. different conventions she would appear at and like it really was a popular life changing moment for a lot of people I guess and she's like oh I guess she did get my letter 
Yeah, people listening to that Blu-ray. <laughs> oh, all right. I thought the funniest part of that, though, was like a lot of these people who would bring this scene up to her thought that this chick, Babs, was like actually hitting them. <laughs> they were well, like, yeah. oh, man, how hard was she hitting you? It looks like it was rough, and it's like, I don't know, to a sane person watching this movie, this scene does not seem real no, at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> I never got that impression. But at least they got to keep their underwear up. Yeah, absolutely. So you can leave this scene in right. on USA. Absolutely. Yeah, well, <laughs> I a guess. must-see scene. <laughs> While the endless hazing punishment continues, Keith decides that they need to actually sneak into the house for a better view. Yeah. I mean, this is how long this is all going on. I mean, they get there, they're watching it outside for a while, then they're like... Let's push it to breaking and entering. It's going inside, it's still happening. Oh, I know. Babs is going from one girl's butt to the other, just back and forth, back and forth. There's only two chicks trying to get into the sorority. There seems to only be three real members of the sorority. (laughs) Babs is like almost like orgasmic from this. (laughs) Babs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like McConaughey and fucking Killer Joe in that kitchen scene. No, there is actually like a, a brief scene where you see other girls like in hoods, but you don't see their faces. Right. Yeah. But where do they go? I they, know. They're only there for like a second and then they disappear and you never see them. Well, again. they could only put, you know, so much of the cast up in those hotels for a couple nights. Well, you this know, was the stuff in L.A. Right, all right, yeah. But that's the thing. There was a couple people that's just like, okay, well, you know, we, we want to make it seem like there's more people in the sorority, but we we'll can't have to pay them more if we yeah. show their face. Right. In fact, probably a lot of them weren't even girls. Yeah, that's true. It was just people <laughs> from the crew. Finally, Babs decides that they've had enough, and then Taffy and Lisa are then sprayed with whipped cream by Rhonda and Frankie. Just for no real reason other than, you're wearing this half T-shirt. I'm going to spray you with whipped cream. Yeah, I just took this as this is just what happens at sororities. <laughs> yeah, usually they do this and then they strip down for a tickle fight. That's right, yeah. <laughs> there is always, and this is not just sororities, I think, fraternities as well. And we talked about this on the Days and Confused episode, even though that's not a fraternity thing. But there is always like this bizarre like yeah. homoerotic thing that gets intertwined with this hazing stuff i know it's not for me and clearly like babs is supposed to be someone that gets like turned on by this which is fine right, i mean that's right. just i don't think the they're character. really implying that in days and confused but no <laughs> yeah. but maybe maybe some of yeah. them well yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think we mentioned that i think like yeah i think mind. there was like yeah. he enjoys it like way too much that's true benny oh benny is fired up about it yeah, I do think that these situations do allow for people who are sort of like closeted in that, yeah. uh, in, into what their desires are, even. Maybe they don't even admit it to themselves, but right, it like allows right. for that to sort of like come out. Yeah. But Babs doesn't seem bothered at all. I mean, she seems pretty open about it, and the other girls seem to know about it too. <laughs> but it is weird that you're just like, I'm going to spray these girls, like, their chests yeah. with whipped cream. Like, to what end? That's what what does that even where, accomplish? You know, when people talk about Babs, they, it's, they do the whole, that's just Babs being Babs thing. <laughs> Which, whenever people use that turn of phrase to describe something, it's never good. Yeah, Babs was played by an actress named, I think, Robin Rochelle. That was her stage name. And she is very tall and imposing. So that's she is right. sort of, like, the right badass character oh, yeah. to be sort of intimidating with a paddle in her hands you're just like oh god <laughs> <laughs> everyone clear the way 
And she was the star of the Slumber Party Massacre, which I'm wearing the T-shirt of right now. That's right. Yes. So, there you go. We're all uh, very stoked about it. <laughs> now, Frankie, one of the other sorority girls, she was played by an actress named Carla B. Okay. <laughs> For some reason, that's what she's known as on IMDb now. Although I think in the Pre-dating, opening credits, uh, Cardi B actually. Yeah, I think in the credits of the movie. Her name is actually spelled out. I forget what it is, but it's Carla something. And she has five acting credits. Okay. Let's hear them. And one of them, oh, I don't have them all written <laughs> down, but one of them we watched together. And it's a little picture called Hack-A-Lantern. That's a good one. Because I was like, where do I know this girl from? She looks so familiar. Yeah. She was the one with the blonde hair that was like concerned about messing up her hair. <laughs> That's she turns into familiar. the Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, oh, I thought you were describing her from Hack-A-Lantern. <laughs> No, no, from this. I'm like, I remember the special features of hack lantern more than I remember the movie. <laughs> How dare you? We're going to be doing hack lantern on this podcast for Greatest October this year. <laughs> oh, God. Naturally, the initiates are then sent upstairs to clean themselves off in the shower. And this and is... You are like, is this trick whipped cream? Just like, it just doesn't come off? Hilarious for a multitude of reasons. Number one, gratuitous. Oh, yeah. It goes on forever. We have both of these gals eventually seen full frontally naked. I guess really just maybe the most practical shower sequence I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> this bathroom is just like a tub, no shower curtain or anything, but like standing straight up, spraying or Using down. a shower wand. Yeah. While Number the other one just stands there nude also in the bathroom. Yes. Number two, no paddle marks after that vigorous beating yeah. she just took you I get guess, close-ups um, of brink steven's butt here yeah nothing no, no no indication that anything just happened and number three actually there's four number three brink stevens herself shower legend of the 80s as i was telling you before we started recording that's right she appears in a lot of films throughout the 80s and is showering in most of them <laughs> she was a typecast yes and she actually showered she was in part of the group shower in private school which we did during last year's One Trashy Summer. All right, so some notable appearances in film history. And as you pointed out, number four, that damned whipped cream just doesn't seem to come off no matter what. How vigorously they scrub. Yeah, Taffy just can't get it all off. We really have to spend some time lingering. And, of course, the thing that this is all built to is the boys cross another line because they come upstairs – and sort of like just open the door yeah they push open the door a little bit and then like one head on top of another spy into the bathroom and they're literally less than three feet from i know but completely unnoticed yeah just oblivious to this happening which was also similar in private school because when they're in the window and that it doesn't seem like they're very far away and they're just like (laughs) openly like staring and just unnoticed i don't know of course, this is the kind of stuff that's never going to fly in 2021. Or really in society, just at any <laughs> point, you know. <laughs> but it's sort of what we talked about during the Hot Dog, the movie podcast, where right. this was just sort of like the alternative to having access to pornography on your phone or tablet or computer at all times. Yeah, yeah. People wanted to see nudity in these movies. They had to come up with dumb ways to crowbar it in there. That's right. It's sort of hard to explain now. (laughs) You're like, what is this scene? Yeah, yeah. This scene is insane. 
even for like this standard because like i said eventually you see both of these women full frontal in this scene right which is crazy the camera like lingers especially on brink's body i would say up and down up and (laughs) this of course is the scene that your parents would walk into the room or oh yeah Lindsay just mortified (laughs) (laughs) well this is the scene when Lindsay walks out of the room (laughs) i don't think this movie's for me babs comes upstairs and catches the creeps spying on the initiates and then decides that they will in fact all be a part of the last act of the sorority initiation babs seems like she's making it up on the fly maybe but she has that connection to the mall so it seems like it's true she had this in the back of her head yeah Although you'd think, like, based on her predilections, that it would involve more humiliation or nudity or more something. More paddling. <laughs> Anything. Yeah. <laughs> what did they say in the previous year she made a girl put on a bra full of worms or something? Oof. Remember that one yeah. kid mentioned that? The pledges and the boys are then sent to a nearby bowling alley where they must break in and steal a trophy to prove they completed the task. I was trying to figure out what the song is that's playing when they're driving to the mall. Uh I was like, this is a jam. I looked up the soundtrack to this movie and there's artists listed. I I think I searched them all on Apple music and like, didn't get a lot of results. All right. (laughs) But I was into the song. I was like, this is a rock. I like the music at the beginning. Yeah. There isn't a lot of music in this movie, but there's some cool stuff. I think so. So out of the two initiates, Lisa's been pushing the whole thing way more. Taffy is sort of always willing to bail. Whatever, yeah. I mean, she just had her butt paddled for like 30 minutes and still is like, I I kind of went out. I'd be fine with this night coming to an end. (laughs) It doesn't matter that all of that was for nothing. I'm still willing to walk away. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't think this Babs is someone I really want to be that closely associated with. It seems like there might be some weird nights at the sorority house. (laughs) Rhonda, Frankie... And Babs are sort of comedic villains, over the top, supposed to be funny. They have like almost an orgasmic reaction to this, where they're just like cackling and laughing at like their evil plan of like, (laughs) we're going to spy on them doing this. I don't even know what their plan is exactly. It's unclear to me as well. I was hoping maybe you'd be able to fill me in. I watched it twice and I was like, (laughs) I don't. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. To steal this trophy, but that's actually just like a decoy for what we really want to do. Yeah, there's no explanation. Which is like, watch them, and I don't know if we just never get to it. I guess. Like, it seems like maybe Babs is the only one that really knows, and I just feel like maybe we don't get to what she wanted. Because when the whole thing with the imp happens, the other two are like, (laughs) the other two are like, oh, did you set this up? And she's like, I don't even know what's happening. So it's like, (laughs) Babs is really the mastermind. She's the only one that knows where we're supposed to be heading, and we really never find out. Yeah. They just seem to imply that there's like an underhanded secret plan right. happening that is going to be embarrassing or horrible or something. Yeah. But we never really clear. Because you feel like if it was just, wouldn't it be funny if we were spying on them while they do this? It's kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. Unbeknownst to the pledges, Babs's father, quote, runs them all, whatever that means. I'm not really <laughs> even sure. Where the bowling alley is located and thus... This will enable the sorority leaders to spy on the proceedings as they're happening. But that's it. There's really no payoff for that, as we said. I mean, yep. okay, you're spying on them. Good. <laughs> Large portions of this film are very dark and hard to see what's happening. As I, 
I think I mentioned they fired the camera crew at one point, and it does get better. Yeah. And there are some cool shots, believe it or not, that I, I actually kind of like. I would well, agree. And I'll, I think I, I wrote them down, so we'll get to them. But, but yeah, there's definitely some stuff where you're like, I, I would have been fine with there being some amount of lighting for this scene. Yeah. There are parts that are very hard to see, and not intentionally, I don't think. It's just, it, it would be better if you could see it. Yeah. <laughs> Although they might have been like, less is more. That's true. Cut it, moving on. Babs and the sorority chicks arrive and let themselves into the mall with a key, and they briefly cross paths with this janitor that they don't even notice and lock into a. This guy uh, kind of looks. Other room. He seems. It looks like Chuck Klosterman mixed with that like Brian Posehn. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a cross between the two because he's a big guy and he just so easily gets closed into that room by like this little sorority babe. Yeah. He doesn't know that somehow that people knocked him into the room and they don't notice him, but he gets locked into this other room. And he'll factor in later. He's played by a character actor named Buck Flower. Oh, wow. I believe. The group of pledges and the douchebags arrive at the bowling alley and then manage to get inside. Honestly, I just watched this movie and I don't remember even how they get inside. I just remember they're inside all of a sudden. I think one of the nerds is able to like pick the lock or something. While looking for a trophy to take, they encounter Spider. That's right. Played by Linnea Quigley, a legend. Hi, you come here often? Jesus Christ. Sorry, I didn't mean to startle you. You stay there, pal, or I'll lay you right the fuck out. Oh, hey, I, I'm not going to hurt you or anything. Damn straight you're not. You're no security guard. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm just, um, I'm just... That's close enough. What's going on? I... What is it? Calvin, is this a friend of yours? Sort of. <laughs> yeah, dream on, Toad. What is this, Midnight Wimp Bowling League? What are you, the Bride of Dracula? Oh. Jump back. Prom queen's on the loose. Or is it high school hookers? Um, well, this is Lisa, and this is Taffy. Taffy? Jesus. What's the matter with Taffy? Oh. Well, if you don't know Taffy, you deserve the name. Anyway, Lisa and Taffy are being initiated into a sorority. Oh, co-eds, figures. And in order to get into the sorority, they have to steal a bowling trophy. <gasps> oh, naughty. That's illegal. Yeah, so what are you doing here, mopping up? Yeah, and I'm almost done. So let's cut the shit and get out of here. Maybe we should go. Sure, let's grab the trophy and we're gone. She's a badass biker chick in the process of trying to burgle the bowling alley with a crowbar, which makes zero sense. Yeah, I know. She's like, I took a lot of effort for me to steal this $12. That's right. <laughs> And she's got some sick burns in that's, the initial meeting true. for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> She's like, what is this, the bowling league of wimps or something? <laughs> <laughs> all right. They're not all home runs, but she's got some zingers. I don't know. I think there's more strikeouts than yeah. contact here. Calvin, the dorkiest of the three dudes, is immediately into Spider and sort of drawn to her. Why wouldn't you be? 1988 was a big year for Quigley. She had Sorority Babes, and then she appeared in a bunch of other films, notably Hollywood 
Chainsaw Hookers. Oh. Another great title of wow, the era. Really? Yes. Night of the Demons, one of her bigger movies. Dead Heat, which I think she's just uh, an extra. That's the thing. Like when you look at Brink Stevens or Linnea Quigley or Michelle Bauer, they were extras in a lot of movies. Like Brink Stevens is in like Body Double and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. They just pop up in these things. Nightmare Sisters. And Linnea also appeared in A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, although I think that's also sort of a smallish appearance where she's like one of the souls like leaving Freddy's body at the end of the movie or something like that. Okay. For I'll people stay. who are familiar. Listen, that's a serious credit. As I mentioned, her more noteworthy credits include The Return of the Living Dead, Silent Night, Deadly Night, a movie I watched for the first time this year called Savage Streets that I loved. Oh, yeah. Just Trash City, starring oh, wow. Linda Blair from The Exorcist. Okay. Graduation Day and Vice Academy, which was a trilogy of films with her and Ginger Lynn, I think. And she was in all three of them? I believe so, yeah. Wow, okay. All right, this is sounding like quite a career. Oh, yeah, she's been in a lot of stuff as well, although I think she's only appeared in like 174 credits, whereas like Brink Stevens, I think, is like 250 or something. So insane. Well, more than me. Yeah, they just work forever on this super low-budge world. Yep. With Spider's help, our heroes break into a trophy room and select the biggest trophy to take. Spider, at one point, is trying to break into pinball machines, for fuck's sake. I mean, what is he doing? It's it's as low-scale of a criminal as you can possibly be. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, I mean, at some point, working seems better than this. (laughs) Like, just a life of crime that does not pay off. Yeah, she's supposed to be this tough chick who's got all of these comments and sort of intimidating, like, both the guys and the girls. But then you see what she's up to, and you just think, Spider, really? this is kind of a sad existence you've got going here. <laughs> there needs to be an intervention. Really? <laughs> Jimmy, the fat oaf of the, the trio of dudes. Couldn't die quick enough for me. He actually is in Night of the Demons as well, and he's just as annoying in that. I think that's sort of his bag. Fat, annoying <laughs> well, guy. Well, that seems like he's maybe the only thing he could pull off. So he'd fit right out on this podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> he ends up dropping the trophy, unleashing a jive-talking imp named Uncle Impy. A noticeable change in the demeanor of the movie at this point, I'd say. Yeah, it's a tonal shift. It gets way goofier now, even though it's supposed to be like this is when the horror kicks off. But (laughs) yeah, Uncle Impy offers each of them one wish for freeing him. about time too <laughs> holy shit oh, unholy shit Babs did you plan this plan it I don't even know what's going on ow baby it was really cramped in there I'm going to put a definite crimp in my style too uh, that's better Well, well, well. How to do, boys and girls? All your little faces are just so full of surprise. 
Well, I'm just as happy to be here as you are. What are you staring at? This ain't no freak show. Oops. Uh. Old Uncle Limpy is just a little bit cranky. No fun being locked up like that. Especially in a bowling trophy. I don't believe this. Are you for real? Well, of course I'm for real. As real as you are. My, my, my. Whose little girl are you? And another one. Just as pretty. I bet all the boys are glad we have these pretty girls in the audience today. Aren't you, boys? Ain't you glad, boys? Too cool. Such a sour face. Stop it, you little prick. Now, was that any way to talk to your good old Uncle Limpy? And just when I was going to grant a wish to each and every one of you boys and girls. A wish? Who are you kidding? Well, well, what kind of wish? Why, any wish you want. Who is the sweetheart who sprung Uncle Impey from the nasty bowling trophy? Uh, me. I, I did that. Hey, I did. Well, yeah, but I, I picked the trophy. Take turns. There's a wish for everyone. What a bunch of shit. Uncle Impey will ignore that remark, but he'll remember it. Okay, Pokey, you first. What can Uncle Impey do for you, babe? I, I can wish for anything. Anything your fat little heart desires. Oh, wait a minute, Jimmy. What for? What have I got to lose? You don't know what you're dealing with. I mean, I mean maybe the wishes could come true and then go bad on you. I, I, I don't know. I hear that's happened sometimes. <laughs> what are you talking about? Maybe you better listen to Calvin, fats. Thanks, Spider. Maybe you should shut up, both of you. Oh, come on. Wow. So this is almost like Gremlins or something where you're like, well, okay, this is the scientific discovery of a lifetime, and no one yeah. reacts like that. Well, not even that. I would be like, what the fuck is this thing? And I'd be like running out of the room. <laughs> yeah, the gang completely no-sells it. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, this is weird. Right. <laughs> I'd be like, this is some sort of like little monster that's yeah. running around. Like, what but the even fuck? Uh, Spider and the one dude have like the wherewithal to be like, well, this might be a trick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just spoiling it for everyone. Really? So let's talk about the voice of Uncle Impy here. Early trailers for the film featured a high-pitched voice for the Imp, and then the final film ends up using a much lower-pitched voice. So I was wondering, this is one of those sort of problematic, I guess, moments in the movie that doesn't necessarily age well. Sure. Because it's sort of like this stereotypical black jive-talking right, voice. Right. But... I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if it's really offensive or if it's just sort of ignorant, meaning there's no bad intentions here. I don't even know what they were thinking the voice sounded like. I don't know. It's probably more in the ignorant category. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think there's any like intent to be like we're sort of like parodying like a black guy or anything. I just think they couldn't decide on the voice. They went with high pitched first and we're like, well, this sounds terrible. Doesn't and work. They switched it. But yeah, it is weird. Definitely. It's noticeable for sure. Yeah, and it's definitely something that I don't think would fly today, although uh, most of agree. this movie wouldn't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> including the title <laughs> and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. I could see why people would maybe have an issue with it. Like I said at the top of the episode, I do think there's like a certain innocence about this whole thing. 
How can it, you take this seriously? Yeah, it's just sort of yeah. like a goof. I, I I don't really think there's much intent going on in this movie at all. If you're taking this seriously, maybe you should look at yourself a little bit. <laughs> I have some questions for you. After the gang no-sells this imp that's literally talking to them in English. Right. And despite Calvin warning the group that it could all end badly, Jimmy jumps at the opportunity to make a wish. Which, kind of shocked by his wish. Asking for gold. Yeah. Just gold. Bars of gold. This was just more of a thing. It just seems odd. But here's the thing. I do. Like, who is he? Pippi Longstocking? I, I was like, what is this? City Slickers? <laughs> Actually, it's City Slickers 2. That's right. Curly's the Gold. For Curly's Gold. Oh, yeah. the search for I, Something like that. Yeah, I don't know if that's what it really is. Yeah, like, I think it is. Okay. <laughs> but oh, yeah, God. I mean, you are just like, okay, you have bars of gold now. Now what? Jimmy's wish is granted in the form of gold stacks. It with... doesn't seem like that many, though, either. He's got like six bars of gold. What do you think the net value of that was? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> with the imp's guidance, Keith wishes to have sex with Lisa, and she is magically transformed into a horny lingerie-wearing goddess. So do we? Do, Lisa just doesn't get a wish then because she was already part of somebody else's wish? Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and they disappear off to this full-blown locker room, which was actually filmed in L.A. somewhere else entirely, because I was thinking, why is there a locker room with showers at a public bowling alley. Well, there's a lot of people showering after bowling whatever 12 frames or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You just sort of accept it when you watch the movie and then you're like, "Wait a minute, why is there <laughs> why is there this full locker room with showers?" But whatever. Taffy wishes to be prom queen, which is maybe even worse than the gold wish. Maybe the worst wish I've ever heard. <laughs> like, what? You know it's not the prom, right? Yeah, so she just basically is wearing a prom dress. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, come on. They only had $90,000 for this budget. They couldn't get too crazy with the wishes. Meanwhile, the whole time that this is all happening, the discovery of the imp, the first couple wishes, whatnot, Babs, Frankie, and Rhonda have been watching over the security cameras in disbelief, which actually might be one of the strangest things of this movie. I was sort of blown away that 1988 there were like security cameras well, like this. I, it was crossing my mind. I'm like, how good is the quality of this? The imp doesn't seem very big. <laughs> yeah, they're like, like, what is that? How can they see this? Is yeah. this a dog? <laughs> What's happening? Yeah, because they act like they can hear it and right, stuff, right. which of course they wouldn't be able to. Instinctively, Uncle Impy knows that they're watching and psychically attacks through the camera. Makes an attempt at all three of them, although somehow this Babs is able to escape this. Hey, she's blown back. Yeah, Frankie is transformed into the Bride of Frankenstein, and Rhonda is turned into just basically your standard demon minion. But Babs is knocked backwards, and then tries to flee the scene entirely, but is ultimately rendered unconscious when she touches the mall doors, which, conveniently, Uncle Impy has magically electrified to prevent the group from leaving. Convenient. to quote myself (laughs) from Halloween 3... (laughs) <laughs> if you weren't convinced at this point. Yeah. If you didn't know, this movie stinks. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to save it a little bit once we got into the movie. Oh, right. Look, I enjoy watching this movie. I have sort of a nostalgia feel for it. I think the first time I saw it was like a long time ago in one of those up all night scenarios. Yep. And I've watched it on Blu-ray a few times since, and I enjoy like watching it with Joe Bob on Shutter and whatnot. Sure. Yep. But this movie is not good. It's probably the worst movie 
we've ever picked to then, be on this podcast. In the 35th minute, the imp made it clear to all who were watching, this movie is horrible. <laughs> there are a few Full Moon features that I own on Blu-ray, shamefully, probably more of like the nude type movies, <laughs> okay. like Fairy Tales, which I think Linnea Quigley also appears in, which is from like the late 70s, one of her first movies. Gotcha. But most of the Full Moon features stuff are things that I'm not particularly into puppet master mm-hmm. dolls and i think that's the name of one of them They're just like stuff like that right where they have sort of a cheap little creature thing that is involved and it, it's played for comedy that's like a big part of it it's not, not supposed to be like scary <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, yeah definitely not funny right. but you know what i mean like it's not supposed to actually be that scary sure right <laughs> yeah it's supposed to be like goofy or whatever. That's campy. like their whole vibe. Yeah, yeah a campy horror vibe. Right. It's mostly not for me. I would agree. But I kind of like this movie just because of seeing it. And every once in ago. a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so silly. <laughs> the film is technically loosely based on the classic short story, The Monkey's Paw, where you make a wish and then bad shit actually That's happens right. instead. Yeah. Although, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's like the biggest stretch ever. But really? that's really where the idea kind of comes from with this imp the group figures out that the requested wishes were not actually granted after all jimmy's gold is really just painted wood and taffy's prom dress turns to tatters just as frankie and Rhonda, now transformed into these monsters attack them calvin and spider try to flee but can't these were the two that were untrusting of the imp all along and in a scene where you can barely tell what's happening the minions, Rhonda and Frankie, managed to decapitate Jimmy, the fat guy. And yeah, then... and this kind of takes a lot of the wind out of the sails, I feel like, because we get a big death here, and then there's just not really a ton of like deaths to celebrate after this one. Well, there's a lot more deaths, but yeah, yeah they're... this is probably the more graphic one, even though it's they don't really show anything. And like I said, it's hard to tell what's even happening. They're like sticking his head into something, and you're like, what is going on? Right. I do feel like there's so many scenes after this of Spider and what's the guy? Calvin. Calvin. Them going to a series of different rooms in the mall. It's a lot of rooms. Yeah, that's right. They just change rooms to hang out in. Rhonda and Frankie use Jimmy's severed head as a bowling ball. And frankly, even when other characters learn of this, no one really seems that broken up about it. Nope. Not a big reaction to Jimmy's death. Yeah, yeah. People don't (laughs) care. I mean, it's mostly celebrated by the masses. We then check in back in the locker room, and Lisa is still wildly pursuing sex with Keith, who is now having second thoughts, which (laughs) is understandable because she's so aggressive. Oh, yeah, it's a full-court press. Michelle Bauer just very uh, crazed in this scene, just really going for it. Right. At one point, she puts like his foot in her her mouth with a sock on it. She's just completely insane. Insatiable, you might say. You might, but... He's not even trying to do any satiation. True. Is that a word? (laughs) He's not trying to satiate at all. No. There's no sex because he's still wearing clothes. I think on the audio commentary, David Dakota was like, yeah, this dude was supposed to do nudity too. 
and this guy like chickened out and didn't want to do it. Oh wow! And they're like, "All right, well, you have to wear put your underwear then and put briefs on." And he wouldn't even put briefs on. That's why he was wearing boxers. Oh. <laughs> Meanwhile, the chicks of this movie are fearless and just do it. He should have been fired from the movie. They didn't. I mean, they had already shot too much. These footage. are the type of movies where you can just throw a curveball and there's nothing they can do because what are they gonna just We're gonna refilm have to it? Plow forward, yeah. <laughs> Spider and Calvin hide from Rhonda and then conveniently find a gun for some reason and just shoot her. <laughs> I did find this insane that there's just a gun in this like janitor's closet or whatever. This is what in. Europeans think of America. Yeah. yeah. They're just like, oh, here's a gun. <laughs> just in this closet. Let me shoot this chick. Has no effect, though, because Rhonda will be back later. Frankie and Taffy battle in the glowing light of the mall. So they're just like outside of the bowling alley now. They're in the mall. This is one of the cooler looking shots of the film. Yeah. I thought this looked kind of cool with all that ethereal light sort of just like that they're dancing around in. I don't know. It looks interesting. I think so. It was refreshing to have any version of light. Yeah. And they definitely upped their game when it came to the cinematography. There's like bigger shots that don't feel like they belong in this movie all of a sudden where you're further away and it's like different angles and stuff. Suddenly, it's not all just like Kevin Smith Clark's They were figuring type things stuff. out as they went. Part of it might have been the firing of the first camera Definitely. Crew. Keith manages to get away from Lisa, only to be killed by Rhonda, who was actually not killed by the gun, when she pushes his head down into a deep fryer. And the imp, who's seemingly all-knowing of these events, who's orchestrating all of this madness, continues to crack wise during all of this. That's right, yes. Did the imp say anything remotely funny? No. <laughs> Nothing comes to mind. Only Spider was making me laugh with the the dialogue. Yeah, and her dialogue's so bad yeah. that it's like hilarious. <laughs> and sometimes her delivery is even worse than the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. I don't know if I can blame her. <laughs> no, no. It is like so... Some of the stuff she has spin to say is just... Oh, God. <laughs> She's having fun with it, too, which I enjoy. Yeah, that's the interesting part, really, is that the Spider-Calvin dynamic is different from a lot of other movies, a lot of other horror movies. She's the brave hero, and he's the damsel in distress. That's right. And even irregardless of the bad dialogue and some of the cheesy stuff and the lack of special effects and whatnot, I do think that there is an odd chemistry between the two that you kind of enjoy. Definitely. Because I think the guy that plays Calvin, and he, I can't remember his name. I didn't write it down. Because as usual, I don't really care about the actors. I only care about the actresses. <laughs> He's in like a lot of other movies. This was like his first movie, but he actually appeared in a lot of stuff. He including one of, of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, just like Linnea. Okay. And he was like 18 years old. So he was a lot younger, I think, than a lot of the other people. And you kind of get that vibe, too, where he's sort of just like... You know, in love with the chicks. And right. Like, <laughs> I, I buy it. Frankie and Rhonda, the two, I have to remind people, the two sorority girls who are not the leader, who are not Babs, they've turned into these monsters. They catch Taffy and literally pull her apart. That's right. Get it? Yes, we got like it. Like she's Taffy. Although, you don't see it, and... <laughs> When they actually like show her legs on one side of a pole, yeah, and then like her upper torso on the other side. I mean, it is like the worst joke, and the lighting is so bad that right. you miss it, and it's like, oof. They didn't quite have it in the budget to get this effect. No. <laughs> Babs finally wakes up 
and finds that her whole little initiation game has turned quite deadly. And so she's sort of panicking and running around. And there is like a cool shot of her that is well lit yep. behind the bowling alley. That's right. Like where yeah, at I the know. End of it's the almost shockingly well lit based on how the rest of the movie looks. It looks like, honestly, and this is going to sound insane, like something out of like a Scorsese movie. I agree. It looks cool. The shot looks awesome. You're in a place that you're unfamiliar with, yet it has like a cool visual look. You're like, what is this? Oh, this is behind all of the alleys right. and stuff. It seems the shot seems so out of place in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, they actually flew in like a real director and cinematographer for one scene. Yeah. <laughs> the imp finds Babs and reveals his plan and his true nature to her, although obviously the audience, I think, sort of gets it at this point. He's an evil imp. Mm-hmm. Distracting her as Rhonda appears and the two former friends brawl. But the she-demon is no match for the Amazonian-sized Babs who can not only... Spank girl's ass, but kick it too. Right. And she tosses Rhonda through the back of the bowling alley things. I don't know the names for this stuff, but onto the alley itself. If the imp can just do this thing where he can just turn people into whatever. Oh, you're trying to find logic in this movie What's his game here? I mean. (laughs) (laughs) He just enjoys mischief. He's a mischievous imp. That's right. He's just having fun with us. I can't blame him. Mischief is fun. Babs shoves Rhonda onto an alley where she is seemingly killed by Spider, who rolls a bowling ball at her head. For some reason, this is supposed to seem more realistic than the gun to these people. I don't know. But they're like, oh, yeah, she's dead now. Meanwhile, they shot her twice. Uh, Right, and she's (laughs) lived through that. (laughs) But the victory is short-lived as it's one for one as the imp turns Babs into a demon minion now to replace Rhonda. So for a minute, Babs was like, a baby face and then turns heel again. Yep. <laughs> By pure luck, Calvin and Spider find the old janitor who has been sort of locked in these different rooms and then he gets out and And what this have is you. where we get the story of Dave McCabe. Who just so happens to have a backstory for all of this crazy shit going on. He knows about the imp somehow. And the story of where the imp came from is even more absurd than the movie itself. And even scarier than all of it reveals that he's worked at this bowling alley for 30 years. <laughs> Oof. Well, I get it. Yeah, that's if you have a job that you love... You're not really working. That's right. <laughs> you're never working if you're doing what you love. That's right. <laughs> well, I do think that this is a leftover from a time period where, because of the lack of inflation that had happened yet, you could earn like a livable wage at various jobs that now seem like you could never... I agree. Yep. Not to turn sorority babes in the slimeball bolorama into a whole indictment of our economy, but that's where we're at. Right. If you know something about this, you better tell us. Because that imp has this whole damn place sealed up. And the only way out is by dying. I ain't lying. No, it was 30 years. I don't know. I've been here that long. I've been here at this bowling alley almost all my life. Here we go. Matter of fact, it was... March, 1956. You see, there was a fella named Dave McCabe used to come in here all the time. He loved to bowl, but he was just terrible at it, don't you know? I mean, just awful. Every time he picked up a ball, it'd end up in the gutter. Well, folks, they they laughed at him, and they, they made fun of him. Then one day, McCabe came in, and he bowled a perfect game. And he kept right on to doing it. Every one of them perfect. Strike every time. Even won the 
the league tournament that year. And that's when all the terrible things started to happen. Everybody who'd ever, ever made fun of or laughed at old Dave, I mean, even just a little bit, they started turning up dead, and I mean awful dead, all ripped apart. It was a terrible thing to see. Enough, Pops. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They did call the cops. And the cops figured old Dave done it, and they took him away. Poor fella. He died that very year in the gas chamber, just two days before Christmas. Sounds like an awful mess. No, no, he never did confess. No, sir, right up to the very end, he said he never done it. Said he used black magic to call up some sort of imp, you know, to help him out and be a better bowler and all. And then he said things just got out of hand and this imp just started killing everything in sight. That is really the most stupid damn story I've ever heard. Uh, no, 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 it wasn't a bird. It was an imp. An imp, you see. No, uh, Dave told me that and I believe him because I was there. I seen them bodies. Oh, it was terrible, terrible, terrible. Well, but how'd the imp get in the trophy? What? How'd the imp get in the trophy? Oh, that. Well, uh, McCabe told me about that just before he got arrested. You see, he trapped him in there. Yeah. It seems uh, an imp, when he gets trapped up in close places like that, he loses all his powers, you know, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Solomon, you know, that bottled up all the genies like you read about. And you just left him on a shelf for 30 years. Uh, hey, I ain't gonna mess with no black magic. Besides, everything was fine till you kids let him out. The imp was summoned 30 years earlier to help a lousy bowler become a champion, but it went crazy and started killing people. The bowler was blamed, arrested, convicted, and ultimately put to death, but not before trapping Uncle Impy in the bowling trophy, where he remained until these idiots knocked it loose. Seems unlikely that 30 years would go by and nobody would ever touch that trophy or anything. I know. Not but- very securely captured in there although based on the way this movie ends i guess it doesn't take much <laughs> to keep him isolated yeah because they say that if he's like enclosed he loses his powers yeah. so i guess that means like even the power to like move right i don't know what a horrible weakness to have when you're that small <laughs> seems like you can be defeated relatively easily yeah it seems like you would accidentally did de- <laughs> defeat yourself yeah. sometimes just like oh shit no <laughs> <laughs> Tries to, like, not take elevators. Is always take the stairs. Well, the elevator will open, though. Yeah, that's true. What if it gets stuck, though? Well, yeah. then he's fucked. No powers. Yeah, well, I was thinking, like, he'd fall between, like, the couch and a <laughs> shelf or something. He's like, oh, no! <laughs> Little help! Meanwhile, Babs discovers a completely nude Lisa in the locker room, still waiting for Keith, apparently, to come back. This wish just never wearing off. Demon Babs kills Lisa with her trusty paddle. By hitting her in the head, we should point out. <laughs> yeah, cerebral hemorrhage. She then fights Spider. In the uh, scene that we were all waiting for, I would say. A yeah. brief scene. But. I guess in real life, Robin Rochelle was really laying it in there a little bit. She's much bigger than Linnea Quigley. That's something that's pointed out on the audio commentary. I know everyone's really oh, wow. interested in that. Yeah. It was like the mountain versus the Red Viper of Dorne. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Calvin intervenes with a Molotov cocktail. <laughs> which kills Babs. Always a fun weapon. Anytime a, a Molotov cocktail is used, just a, the cheers from me. Now, unlike Hot Dog the movie, this is something that people can find on streaming services. I know it's on Shudder, but it's also for free on, like, Pluto TV or They're like, please watch Voodoo this. or something. Yeah, you need to watch this. 
I'm just saying, if people are interested, they can actually find sorority babes in the slime ball bolorama. It's out there. Unlike Hot Dog the movie. Yeah. For some reason. Unavailable. Frankie, who I'm sure most people have forgotten about by now. I know I have. Still the bride of Frankenstein. She kills the janitor and then chases Spider and Calvin through the bowling alley. Spider and Frankie end up tussling over an axe with Spider gaining the upper hand and decapitating the demon. And in what has to be maybe the most absurd part of a completely absurd movie, the severed head crashes against the doors of the bowling alley, undoing the magic and opening them so that Spider and Calvin can flee. I'm willing to go with it. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, At this point, I don't don't think you could be expecting anything better. Calvin runs to get the car, but is attacked... By the still-not-dead-yet Rhonda. Uh, yeah, by the way, they're setting up, I think, a fairly impressive action set piece for <laughs> this movie. <laughs> I feel like it's almost stock footage from something else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was like, did this inspire the Fast and the Furious series? Yes, this is part of the same universe yeah. as Fast and the Furious. So basically what happens is Rhonda, who we thought was dead via bowling ball, was somehow hiding in the back seat of the car that they drove down to this bowling alley in the first place. She attacks Calvin as he's driving to go pick up Spider. The imp chimes in, quote, this is the oldest trick in the book. Not really sure what he means. I guess hiding in the backseat of a car is the oldest trick in the book. Yeah, Just everything so. he says is awful. Right. <laughs> but because of this, the imp is gleefully distracted, and so Spider is able to successfully trap Uncle Impy in a box. As Calvin's being attacked, he flips the car, managing to survive while Rhonda is killed. And this is what you were alluding to. That's right. In the middle of this parking lot, all of a sudden, there's this car flip going on. (laughs) No attention being drawn to this scene somehow. It's like Gosling in Drive. Yeah. (laughs) It's that scene. Just a standard car flip. Right. (laughs) Stunt. (laughs) Yeah, it's so poorly edited that you like actually see like the stunt driver like get into the car. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, wasn't it like cuts from like Calvin driving it to like the car being at a complete stop? He gets out of the car engulfed in flames. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're just supposed to take it like Rhonda gets killed, Calvin doesn't. Spider, for some reason, decides to leave Uncle Impy in this box, but just then just leave the box just, right just where there. anyone could find it. Yeah, where someone could just easily knock it over or pick it up. Spider drives Calvin back to her house on her motorcycle while Uncle Impy remains trapped in the box, begging to be let out as the credits come onto the screen and the movie's over. And you're just like, bravo. <laughs> Standing up. That's right. Clapping. Yeah, it's a rough movie at a certain point. To kind get of a through. fun closing credit sequence song, though, too. I don't know how else to describe it other than like weird, kind of gleeful 80s horror music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, this I think because of the title is sort of the b- epitome of the 80s straight to video trash, sleaze. That's right. Boobs, butts and blood. Everything anyone wants. Monsters, gore, whatever. Yep. This doesn't have any gore in it really. I mean, there's a severed head, but I mean, it's so fake that you can't even count it as gore. Oh, I was like, I'm going to throw up from how real this looks. <laughs> <laughs> And it has a little bit of like the salacious fun, like the paddling and the whipped cream and the shower. Oh, yeah. And then it gets like kind of goofy. 
I definitely prefer everything that doesn't involve the imp. Those are also my favorite parts of the movie. But Dakota met Linnea Quigley on a movie when Dakota was like a, you know, like a production assistant or something and was like, I'm going to direct something someday. They stayed friends. He was like, he gave her a script for Sorority Babes and was like, you can pick any character you want. So she picks Spider, which makes sense. I can't really see if the other three girls, you know, I'm including Brink and Michelle Bauer, if like if they traded parts, like I couldn't really see it. Yeah. Linnea does have that tough chick persona that I could buy. Yeah, I would agree. And I also would wonder why she would actively pick any of the other roles. That would seems like the most desirable role. Yeah, it definitely seems like the star Yeah, in a sense, even though she doesn't come in until like about like 25 minutes into a 70-minute movie. Right, but she's the action hero. Yeah, I would have picked Babs. Yeah, I would have picked Babs, too. <laughs> I like Babs. <laughs> Folks! sorority babes yeah i'm sure everyone's like oh god this is the (laughs) moment where they jump the shark we just gotta get to next week (laughs) this is sort of a test run much like black mama white mama or blood harvest (laughs) where it's like we know that no one really knows this movie but we're going off on a ledge every once in a while we gotta throw one in you know yeah i thought that this would be funny just to pop up in the feed that title We have Hot Dog the Movie and Sorority Babes in the same month. I have no regrets. Oh, no. 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 Obviously, we don't want to do a checklist of just the biggest movies of all time or our favorite movies of all time right Something we feel the need to continue to explain. Yeah, we're always justifying these picks. We're so afraid that people are going to see Sorority Babes in our feed and just be like, you know what? I'm not subscribed (laughs) anymore. I'm done with these jackasses. Unsubscribe. Delete. Zero stars. Right. <laughs> what are you doing? What? What? Vincent, stop making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. All right. I don't really have a good recommendation, but I'll, no. I'll, I will say I'll just reiterate one that I did a while ago, which is hey, Season three just ended on Shudder. It's like five bucks a month to get Shudder. I think if you're a fan of movies like Sorority Babes or horror movies or trashy movies or grindhouse movies, it's a good thing to have in general. But I'm going to recommend The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. Two movies on Friday nights. Special guests. He had Roger Corman on this week. Oh. 95 years old. Still doing wow. it. Wow. Didn't still realize turning he was still them out. Yeah. Yeah, they actually did the first Little Shop of Horrors, the one with Jack Nicholson. Oh, cool. That was a Roger Corman movie. Gotcha. He directed it. That was one of the two. And then the other one was Humanoids of the Deep, which is a movie that Corman produced and is arguably more trashy than a lot of the movies we've done during one trashy summer. All right, so keep an eye out. Got monsters from the sea that come up and rape the women. Uh Uh-huh. And it is Trash City. Glad to hear it. So, yeah, I think The Last Drive-In is a cool show. It's sort of like Up All Night or one of these shows where there's like a movie host. Since it's on Shutter, there's no commercials, so they break in just during the movie to talk about it. And the movies are unedited, though, so you know, you're know you not missing yeah. out if it was on like USA or TNT or something. I think it's like a cool show. I think Shutter is a, a pretty good buy if you're into horror and that kind of stuff. We anyway, like, We like Joe Bob. Yes. So I'll just recommend The Last Drive-In once again. Okay. I was going to take a little break from recommendations 
somewhat because people don't like my recommendations, but mostly because we've been working on something for the show uh, that's required some rewatching of things. So that's a little <laughs> tease for what's uh, something big coming down the pipe here at some point. But I really haven't been watching things that I'm ready to recommend. All right, so there you have it. Follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. Let us know on Twitter what you think of the show. You can request a sticker on there as well. And follow us on Letterboxd, Zach1983. Matt Crosby, we got one more entry left in One Trashy Summer. I think that people will have actually heard of this movie. And it is a much more recent film than Sorority Babes or Valley of the Dolls. All right. Or Hot Dog the Movie. So I don't know that everyone's seen it, but I know that people will know what it is at least. Which I think, is exciting right? for some. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say this. I think it's going to be a little harder to talk about than Sorority Babes. It could be tricky. Definitely a lot of landmines. That's okay. Anyway, we thank you for listening. We'll talk to you real soon. On any given day. I'm a six of ten Bed to desk to bar eyes on the floor Still apologizing for the way I've been Each breath more full of shit than the one before Yeah, I know the negative consumes me Guess I'm alright Let the kill pass right through me While my friends are taking dives Off of cliffs and I just worry About the songs I'll never write It don't matter, they don't want to hear me on the other side So let me ruin my guts tonight Just let me ruin my guts summer in this place everyone in this bar is the same everywhere I look it's just routine pain 
I'm so sick of treading water. Am I gonna be this down forever? Am I gonna be this dumb forever? Am I gonna be this gone forever? Am I gonna be this numb sandwiches because the food tastes great I mean there's no there's no I mean it's chicken it's fried chicken it's fried chicken I like fried chicken 